All right, everybody. Welcome to season two, episode 21 of The Movement. The Movement. We are officially live today. We have a great show for you today. We got we got a double whammy show for you today. Uh, basically, we got The Movement podcast. And for those that you know follow Oz Media, obviously, we typically like to do a rising star high school um, student athlete of the month. So we are going to be recognizing two different things. Of course, we got our regular show, and then we're going to be recognizing Selena Bazzi, who is our February Rising Star Student Athlete of the Month. So we want to go ahead and give Selena a round of applause. So by the way, uh, not only that, we wanted to also make sure that we got her coach in the building. You know, So we have Coach Salah Abazid in the building as well. Uh, he's the head varsity basketball coach for Fortson. Uh, glad to have him here today. We want to give him a round of applause as well. Uh, he's in the building. Of course, you got myself, Omar T. You got my uh, little big bro over here, Yusuf T. Zach T, co-host of the show. And then we got Ramsey in the back doing his thing on the producing role. Again, this is season two, episode 21 of the Movement Podcast. Today's topic is about being coachable. So we're going to get into that, dive into that, and talk about that as well. Of course, we're going to learn a little bit more about our Rising Star Student Athlete of the Month. Uh, before we do that, though, we got to make sure we let you know. Be sure to subscribe to our pages, YouTube, Oz Media, Facebook, Instagram, and we even got TikTok under Oz Media. You can listen to the show later on Apple and Spotify Podcasts under Oz Media. And if you'd like to call in, the number is 313-306-1750. Again, 313-306-1750. Feel free to call in if you want to chime in and share some of your thoughts on what it is that we're discussing. We got to give a shout out to our sponsors as well. We got the Kahwa House, Hanley International Academy, the Balkan House, and BC Adhesives. We're going to start off with Kahwa House Ramsey. You know, if you're looking for some great coffee, of course, you got to give a shout out to the Kahwa House, which we believe is the best coffee place in town. So go ahead, Ramsey, and run that Kahwa House ad, and we'll get the show started right after. The Kahwa House. The Kahwa House is the first coffee shop of its kind. The Kahwa House is a family business established in 2017 for the sole purpose of providing the best quality Yemeni coffee with no added preservatives, artificial additives, or flavors. You can stop by Kahwa House to try their famous Yemeni latte, Adani Shahi, Mafawad, and Jubani coffees. You can also stop by to try their delicious pastries such as the Yemeni favorite Sabaya, their Sembusas, and their new menu item, Everything Mini Bites. There are currently four Kahwa House locations, with two of them coming soon as well to make it a total of six. There are four locations in West Dearborn, East Dearborn, Williamsburg, New York, Lombard, Illinois, with two new locations coming in Canton, Michigan, and Petersburg, New Jersey. So no matter where you're at in the country, be sure to stop by a Kahwa House and get a glimpse of what the Yemeni culture is all about. Shout out to Ramsey, by the way, uh, middle schooler over there handling his business. I see you, big Rams. All right, so with that said, uh, it's time for us to get the show on the road. Uh, and we want you all to introduce yourselves first. So we can start off with the coach first. Uh, coach, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? What is it that you do? I mean, I know that you coach girls varsity yeah. basketball, but that's not all you do. So what's up, coach? Well, so, so my name is Coach Sal Abzid. Um I coach, obviously, the Dearborn, Dearborn Forts girls varsity basketball team. Um, been doing that for seven years now. This is my eighth year, but uh, even before that, I was coaching. Uh, I was coaching the boys on the boys' side, coaching the freshman team. Um, and then, obviously, still, I, w- I was working at Forts, and I just took a new job this September, this past September, at Crestwood High School. Um, the assistant principal, one of the assistant principals there, and uh, you know, I grew up in East Dearborn, uh, went to Forts, and uh, played football at Forts, and. and you know, decided to coach football at Fortson after that. Uh, coached the last 16 years there. Uh, freshman JV and then varsity ultimately the last 11. So sport's a big part of my life, uh, but also I enjoy working with, with young young people, young young girls, young guys. I mean, it's just it's been a heck of a ride the last 16, 17 years. What position did you play in football when you were in first at Fortson? I was a quarterback. Nice. Mm-hmm. Toss some dimes. You know, I was one of the first quarterbacks to go shotgun at Fortson. So nice. we had a we had a rough we had, we were we were more of a hard nosed team, uh, pro style. Um, but you know, we we definitely threw the ball more those years than you know maybe teams in the past. In the nineties, it was all about running the ball. But I, my junior year was the uh, two thousand two fall season. My senior year was the two thousand three fall season. But that's when like you started to see the transition in football, especially at the high school level. Um, where the spread was becoming more of a thing. Yeah. 
You know, fun fact, by the way, we had a couple students. So when they seen uh, the game that we did at Fortson uh, for the girls, I had a couple students who have the same last name. And they came up to me and they were like, do you know that? Uh, and so they started to do their research and history and they talked to their dad and stuff. They were like that you guys were somehow related and all that. And they came up to me and I just thought it was funny. Uh, they were related to me? They, they did. They, I mean, uh, you know, you never know. You know, they're middle schoolers. But that's what they did. They said they asked their dad and they're like, oh, yeah, he knows you. I mean, maybe like friends, cousins. You know Possibly. how we do it. You know how we uh, call everybody cousins as long as we got the same last name. All right. Uh, Selena. Again, our February Rising Star, you know, Oz Media is the name of the American News, February Rising Star, Student Athlete of the Month. Uh, can you first tell us a little bit about yourself, the position that you play, uh, sports that you play, and things like that? Um, my name is Selena Bazzi, and I've been playing basketball and volleyball at Fort Sen for the last three years. I'm a shooting guard at for with playing for Abazid. I've been playing on the varsity level since my freshman year. Contradictory to what he will have to say, I kind of had to force me to come up there, but I'm a, I sat for the volleyball team in the fall, and then I play basketball throughout in the off season, and it's just kind of been the main thing for the last seven years. So what do you, what do you, what is the, like, the best thing about, the best attribute about Selena, her, her game, and things like that? Like, what do you say is the, the, the best part about Selena's game? I think she's one of the best shooters in our league, really. Um, when she has her feet set, she's got a clean look. Uh, that, that more times than not, that ball's going in. Yeah. Um, she's got a really nice form. I think one of the prettiest forms. I would even probably argue it's probably nicer than my form. Um, <laughs> she really does have a nice shot. Um, and I think coaches in our league know if you're going to give her an open look, she's going to make you pay. You know, it's funny, Zach. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but when we were doing the, the play-by-play, uh, when we were watching the game, you said a line. And I remembered it because like, it's funny because it's probably not true. And you were like, She's probably left-handed. Oh, she made a layup. <laughs> I heard that when I was Yeah. Watching. And then as we're watching the game, I see her shooting right-handed. And I'm like, oh, she's obviously not left-handed. We were wrong about that. But, you know, because she was making the layups naturally with left-handed. Yeah. But and we work that. Yeah. We, if, if, you, like if you don't have a left-hand, you're not playing for me. Yeah. You're and not playing for me. So, I'm glad, you know, Zach would definitely not be playing for you. <laughs> <laughs> You know, what are y'all thoughts so far? I mean, I ain't checking with y'all. I usually checking with y'all. Y'all good over here, Zach, Yusuf? Everything good? Bro, I got a left hand, bro. I tried to make my left hand layup. Yeah, I mean, Zach's left hand is all right. Yeah. It's okay. Rashid so, YAM. There you go. So we got Rashid calling me, which I'm not going to answer because he's probably calling me to update me on the story. He's the guy. He's the publisher for the Yemeni American News. Uh, I don't think he's calling me for the show. He's just calling me to see what's the updates on a couple stories that he wants me to write right now. So we're going to leave that alone. But, yeah. All right. So, Selena, my next question for you is, you know, you won the award. Uh, I know it's probably random, right? But, you know, what were your first thoughts on when you won the award? You know, how did you feel and stuff like that? I mean, it's kind of always exciting um, getting recognized that way. You know, I've been playing for a while now, and just the work that you've put in is recognized eventually. And... I don't know, it was kind of confusing at first. I was kind of like, oh, like, okay. But, I mean, it's good. It was a good feeling, and it's good to be here. So, you know, it's a student-athlete award. Obviously, we also want to pick somebody that's doing well in the classroom as well. Uh, you were telling us a little bit about your GPA. So, like, how is school, like, what, what, you know, how important is school to you? And also, can you share with us, what is your GPA currently? I currently have a 3.9. Um, I think coming in to Coach Abazid's program, it was always instilled in us, do good in the classroom, you'll do good on the court, um, good, do good things, good things will happen. So I think school's always been like our top priority and then right after, if it's not school, it's basketball. So it's kind of just rolled on from there. Yeah. Uh, Coach, you want to add on to that? Like why do you feel like school's important? Why do you stress on your athletes? I mean, first off, it was always emphasized in my household growing up. Uh, I'm the middle of seven children. So when we came here, I mean, school was or already instilled. Uh, my siblings are very educated. Um, like I said, it's been it's been instilled in us since we were kids. So going into education and kind of trying to preach that same message to kids um, is, is very important to me, especially the ones who are on our basketball team because I, I kind of know what they're going through. I mean, the whole balancing of uh, being an athlete, being a student. Um, first off, let's understand that being an athlete is a privilege. I mean, that's important. You know, but you got to be successful in the classroom to be successful as an athlete. They go hand in hand with each other. 
Um, if you, and if you're not doing your part in the classroom, you're not going to be on the athletic fields or on the basketball courts. It's just it's, it, it could be an obstacle. So, but also we we want to get them ready for their future as well. Try to get them into good schools, um, and then just kind of the discipline aspect of sports and what it does for you in that regard getting you ready making sure you're on top of things uh educationally and uh just just getting you ready for your future man for sure for sure because you know if we're being honest not everybody can make it you know to the next level the statistics will tell you like like over 90 percent of the kids are not playing next level ball so you know you got to take something with you from it, and, and more times than not it's the education piece yeah. And to be honest with you, as a head coach of the basketball team, you know, one thing I'm more proud of than anything is, you know, having five or six girls play college basketball. You know, we got girls who are going to school for free. Uh, yeah. You know, they're, you know, not only are they there, but they're exceeding expectations at some of these schools. So we got a girl who's at D1 right now at uh, Lipscomb University. Uh, we got Rana Al Husseini right now at Edinburgh University. Probably the best point guard in, in their league. Uh, I know she just surpassed a thousand points, so shout out to her for that. For sure. And then we had a really good player last year, uh, Batul Rita, who scored 600 points in the season. Oh, uh, she's she could have played D1 basketball, but she's a great soccer goalie. She's starting at Dayton University right now. Nice. Um, and I think we got some pieces on our team right now that have a great opportunity to uh, to play at the next level. Yeah. No. Great. But all of that is is possible because. All those athletes were great uh, students as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, back to you, Selena. I guess my next question for you is like, you know, you everybody has an inspiration. Uh, so who is someone or somebody, or it could be more than one person, that inspires you to be great every single day? I think growing up, watching all the past athletes at Fortson in the past two years, getting to watch a few, like playing with Batul and getting to watch Rana play and watching how the boys played, I think that, and then, like, Batul really instilling in us what it means to play and growing up playing with her. And it was just, I think it's just very good, like, coming into it. And I think Coach Abazine and Coach uh, Mike Osman were really good with it and telling us that we can always be great as long as we work for it. And I don't think they've ever had a doubt in their mind that, I mean, we aren't going to, we, we won't be good or we won't go anywhere with it as long as we stick with it. Great point. Great point. And coach, I got to ask you this. Do you ever feel like there's a time where you're like, ah, you know what, man? You know, I know you said you're done with football. Do you see yourself maybe not coaching, maybe taking on another role? When it I comes mean, to it's not that I don't want to, but, you know, life happens sometimes. Yeah. So the things in our life kind of prevent you from doing things. I mean, is my time coming to an end? Probably. <laughs> I don't know, like, for how long. Uh, maybe I need to have my own kids to kind of get back into it. Yeah. Uh, it's just there's other things you kind of want to go out there and explore, other things you want to do in your life. Um, you know, I, I don't have a timetable. I, I, I do have a team right now that's, you know, the core of it are juniors. I so, think we're his kids right now, and then he can do whatever he wants once we're <laughs> I don't know. It, it's just it's – I try not to give it much thought, but one thing about me is I need competition in my life. Yeah. Like – I've never not had competition in my life. It's kind of what got me into coaching uh, after after playing high school sports. Um, I just it's a daily thing. It's it's how I like to spend my leisure time. Yeah, is just competing in in some way, shape, or form. Whether it's me competing against myself, uh, going out for a mile run and trying to get it done in six seven minutes. You know, th there's got to be some competition in my life. It's it's always been there. And I just can't imagine not having some level of it. In, you know, on a daily basis. Makes sense. It's a great point, man. I mean, I, that's a lot of people are like that too, man. I, I can kind of relate to that part because you you want that challenge. Yep, absolutely. That constant challenge that it gives you another reason to get up and attack the day. Uh, so I completely understand that. So we kind of are gonna now shift the focus into like the topic that we were having today, which is again being coachable. Uh, so my first question is, what makes a player coachable, and why is it important to be coachable? I'm gonna go ahead and start off with. Yusuf, right quick, because we haven't heard really Yusuf say much today. So, what makes a player coachable, Yusuf? Like, what exactly makes a player coachable? Then, why is it important for a player to be coachable? Well, first things first, I do believe they need to be show up to every practice. That's what 100% because they need to learn, and it's, it's like showing up to class. Like, you need to know the things in order to succeed. So, that's number one for sure. Also, like, take advantage of the opportunities you can get 
especially for the players that, you know, don't get enough playing time and take advantage of every opportunity. And those opportunities will eventually help you succeed into wins and wins and continue on through your legacy. Zach, same question to you, man. What makes a player coachable and why is it important to be a coachable player? I think, you know, the main, main reasons is like, just listen. You know, if you listen a lot and yeah, listen. Yeah. If you just listen, you'll be you'll be very coachable uh, player. Yeah. So why do you feel it's important though to be a coachable player? <clears throat> why, like, why is it important to be a coachable player? Yeah. Like, it's important to you know for your coach too. You show him respect. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah, for just, sure. Just for the, your teammates too. No, I agree. Uh, that's actually my answer. Is that I think it's important to be uh, or what makes a player coachable is listening to me. That's something my number one answer to me is because um, you have to listen. You know, if a coach is sitting there, you know, using, taking their time out of the day, and I always tell players, like, you're here. You know, you're here to learn. You know, you already showed up. That's half the battle. You know, we got kids that don't even want to play, that might be talented, that don't want to even show up. You know, that's their loss. You're already here. You've already made that commitment to your mind that you're probably going to be here for the next two hours. So listen. You know, we're all here for the same reasons, for the same goals. So to me, listening, and, and I guess the second part of the question is why is that important? Like Zach said, uh, it's just all about making sure that the team is following the lead of the coach and, and we're all on the same page so that we can attack our goals and reach our goals as a team as well. So, Coach, same question to you. You know, what, you know, what makes a player or why is it important for a player to be coachable, what do you think is the most important thing about that? You know, so first thing, it's to me, it's a mindset. Like, how are you coming into practice? Are you coming into practice with a positive attitude, or are you going in there because you feel like you have to be there? And if you feel like you have to be there, you probably should leave. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's one thing that really gets on my nerves. Um, but like you said, you got to be able to learn. You know, there's two types of uncoachable kids. There's the uncoachable kid who's combative about it. And then there's the one who's just not really a bad person about it, but they're just not in tune with what you're trying to do that day. Um, it's almost like a nonchalant type of attitude, kind of going through the motions um, and not doing your part when you're not at practice. So, like, for example, we do a lot of film. And if you're going home and you're not watching film, you're not doing your part, um, especially when there's, like, notes on the huddle that we use. That's being uncoachable because you're not doing your part on the team. So you're, you're, uh, there's an expectation on my end that when you come to practice or the game the next day that you know what you're supposed to do. And you don't, if you don't do it, you, you're, you're kind of being uncoachable there. And then there's the one at practice who, you know, you, you keep preaching things to and they're not taking it in or they're combative about it or there's some attitude about it. That's being uncoachable. Those are the ones that don't last long with me. Um, I've had a lot of very talented players not kind of go through our program or finish it through our throughout our program because they are uncoachable. Yeah. So, I mean, at some point, you got to kind of cut that cord between them, between you and the, and the program. Uh, it's unfortunate, but at the end of the day, I mean, we, we are varsity. This is varsity basketball, and wins and losses matter at that point. You know, your freshman, your JV, that's for developmental. Um, but once we, once you get to me, man, it's all, it's all about winning. It's about winning at that point. Coach, I seen on the sideline you also had like a card, like a hand, like it's like plays and stuff ready to go. Like I'm not gonna lie to you, I've never seen a high school. Uh, I mean, maybe varsity boys, I typically you might see it um, every now and then, but you know a lot of times or now, people are just kind of. You see, Jawan Howard used to put in his yeah in his suit jacket. So no, that's just that's just me being. Uh, you know, I, I we have a lot of sets. So I think Selena will tell you that we have a lot of sets, and we have a lot of sets for every situation. I don't like to be caught off guard. Yeah. You know, I don't want to go play a game and, uh, you know, a team throws out a defense that I'm not ready for. So I always prepare as if I'm ready for any situation, anything that you throw at me. Yeah. Um, that's just kind of through my experience. You know, there's been times when I was a young coach, uh, I'm expecting a team to do this thing, and then they come out with something else, and I'm not ready. I'll never forget one year, uh, the first or the second year I coached the girls' varsity, Ron Al Zaney. Um, we were playing a bad Garden City team. Like, we should have won that game by 30. But and props to the coach that night. She came out in a box and won. I wasn't ready for it. Yeah, I was not ready for the box and won. Um, and it was like a 
it was like a tie game throughout all the way, and then we pulled away at the end in the fourth quarter. Ronda made some excellent plays. But after that night, I'm like, man, I'm never going to put myself in a situation like that where I'm not ready to, you know, at least kind of react to what another coach is doing. Those moments is what, you know, make you yeah, who you absolutely. are. Seriously. Uh, Selena, same question for you, I guess, is what makes a player coachable and why is it important to be a coachable player? Um, I think going into, like, you can't be great if you don't listen to your coach. So going in, I think once you figure out your coach knows more than you do, you're going to be great. Once you start taking in what they're telling you, you're going to be great. Um, you can't really do what you want to do. So, I mean, there are moments throughout our season where he'll be telling us what to do and we'll just go out and we'll do our own thing. And that doesn't work. It might work once or twice, but eventually it just it just doesn't work for us. And I think going and being prepared for what and following the game plan is what works best and I think that just comes with mentally being prepared and mentally being locked in before the game knowing what we're going to go in to do and finishing the task it's a business trip that we yeah. go on two times a week nice I like that it's a business trip and then uh, leading off to that question I'll let you answer the next one which is when a player is not coachable what does that do to a team I think it affects a team negatively more than it does in the positive way. I think selfishness is a big issue sometimes, and I think if a player kind of just, if you buy into what the rest of the team is doing, it'll work out more in your favor than if not. So going in, if you just think you're just going to go out and you're going to score 30 points, but we're going to take a loss, your 30 points meant nothing because we still took a loss. Like I'd rather score zero than take a loss I could have zero points but still be playing on that court but we took the we, but we, we went out there and won so I think that just kind of all plays a factor into it yeah for sure um I mean a good thing that you said earlier was that the coaches know more than the players because somehow players don't believe in that <laughs> some players sometimes players and parents know more than oh the coach. man parents parents are coaches on the sideline all right uh shout out to Liz by the way <laughs> great parent by the way not you know does an awesome job uh, I could tell that she's always a supportive person as well. But I, in all seriousness, though, like parents, um, parents can be rough, man. Parents can be I rough. I mean, it, it comes with territory now it at does. this point. You just how you do you deal? With it? Well, let's talk about that. How do you how do you deal with parents that say their kid deserves to be on the court or their kid should be playing more, should be starting? Like, how do you deal with that as a coach? I mean, my practice is always open. You can come sit in the stands and watch your kid practice. So. One thing about me is if if you don't practice well, I ha I don't have the confidence to throw you in the game. Yeah, I, I don't, you know. And then there's many components of basketball. Everyone just thinks, hey, I could score, I could I could play. Yeah, but you can't defend. Um, your basketball IQ isn't where it needs to be. Um, most important thing with me is, can you defend? Can you move? Can I put you out on the court? Um, you know, on offense, a lot of times I was my, my saying is, I could cover a wart. Like, if, if you're not a good offensive player, I could put you out there and, you know, we could still be successful offensively. But if you're bad defensively, I, I can't play you because a team's going to find out, you know, that, that you're the weak part of that defense and they're going to keep attacking you. And it's hard to it's hard to cover that, you know. But uh, as far as parents, you know, thankfully for me, uh, and I'm uh, the parents thing, I was speaking, I was speaking more of a, from a from a perspective from other coaches and other programs, you know, yeah. and some of the complaints that they're dealing with. I got a good friend in our league, man, God bless him, what he's dealing with right now. Um, my parents at Fortune have been awesome. Yeah, really, they they've been great. They've been very supportive. Uh, they're there every night. Do we have those? Do we we have moments where we have conversations about things? Yeah. My policy is after a game, don't talk to me for twenty four hours. <laughs> you know, because good or bad, good or uh, good or bad, okay. just don't talk to me for twenty four hours because. Even though we won, you might be still be heated. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You might be heated for something, and I'm not trying to have that confrontation after a game. Uh, we'll just deal with it. Let you cool down. Let me cool down. After a loss, I definitely don't want to speak to you after a game, especially yeah. when it's when it's something about an individual. At that point, yeah. I'm just upset we lost as a team. So I'm not ready to have that individual conversation with a parent about you know certain players. But I have open practice policy. You can come watch. You can sit in the stands, watch. You can see your kid perform or your daughter perform. Um, so you're more than welcome to come in there. But like I said, for the most part, my parents have been, uh, over the last seven years, have been very supportive. That's exactly what I tell parents is that come to practice. Yeah. Come to practice. You'll see for yourself. You know, you'll see your kid 
goofing around, uh, not being, not taking a drill serious. Um, I have another question for you off of that, as and, and going back to players. So let's say you have a star player before a big game, um, is not having a good practice, like in terms of not being focused. How would you handle that situation, like in terms of the game wise, practice wise, and things like that? When it's at that point, you leave them alone because they already know what it takes. Okay. You know, they have bad, they're entitled to bad days. I'm sure Michael Jordan's had bad days. I'm sure uh, LeBron's had bad days at practice. But when the lights are on, those those types of athletes and those types of players, they know how to perform. They know how to perform. They and you know, they kind of feed off of that. They feed off of that. They're and that's their challenge. They're they're built differently. So when they have a bad day, um, as far as effort, it it, it could just be tired legs. Like for example. Uh, I go back to Batool and Rana. A lot of times they did have bad practices with us, but I just ran them for 32 minutes up and down the court the night before. So I get it. Yeah. You know, um, I always knew those players were going to perform uh, when it mattered. All right. Well, then going back to the original question is players that are having trouble with the team and not following directions and are not coachable. Uh, what are some of the things that you see happen with the team when that when that occurs? You know, with with them individually, you try to have these conversations, these restorative conversations, where you try to get better at things. But like I said earlier, at some point you got to cut the cord with them. Um, and a lot of times, the unique thing about that is the teammates know you've exhausted all options with this player, and I'm at a, I'm in a position where I have nothing left to give you. Like, you know. Because at the end of the day, the team is still a privilege. Like, you know, we have to give you an education. I don't have to give you a basketball jersey. That's how I look at it. Um, You know, we're not kicking you out of the school. We're just, you're not not the best fit for our basketball program right now. And it hasn't happened a lot. It's happened a few times, but it hasn't happened a lot. So um, when you have a strong culture, I think eventually the girls just buy into it. They have no choice because... Once that culture's been established, and it's been established with us, um, girls tend to just fall in line. They don't kind of drift off into their own world. For sure. No, great point. Like, for me, my answer was uh, it becomes like a cancer to the team. Um, I think a player that's not coachable, they don't understand. Absolutely. And more times are not, it's a player that's probably good. Because, you know, you're not a bad player, then you're not coachable. Like, you'd be like, all right, you, you, just, you know, go home. Or you, they probably would have never made the team in the first place. But it's usually, like, the players that are, you know, a little bit um, more athletic or, you know, can score a little better than the other person that tends to be the ones that think they know it all, and so they become uncoachable. So to me, like, you eventually become a cancer to a team, and it's the player itself. Like, they could be the best player on the team, but once you become that person, you officially – it can almost derail the whole team, you know, and, and the whole season. And in me personally, and, and I know you probably are the same way, like, I don't got time for that. No. Nope. Like, I, I'm the type of person, I'll kick you out of the practice. Absolutely. I'll kick I've you off that. the team. You know, like, I had that happen last year. Again, this is middle school. You know, we, we had a players that decided to go to a birthday party. Oh. I mean, they're middle schoolers, <laughs> but, like, and the thing is, what bothered me the most is that the parents were defending the situation, so, like, you had a whole other side of me come out. So... Like, I, I told those players, I was like, listen, you know, and they're good kids, they're good kids. And I could tell, like, obviously their parents were telling them it's okay. And, and they knew where I stood. They, they tried to not tell me. I caught them as they were trying to go leave, you know, the school after, uh, after school. And I'm like, where are y'all going? And so they told me. And I was like, just think about the decision that you guys are about to make, you know. And, and you know, then the parents said, it's like, it's okay. It's just one day. And I'm like, all right, I'm not about to argue right yeah. now. I, just, I looked at the players. I was just thinking about the decision you're about to make. And then we went about my day. Long story short is the only way I allowed them to come back to the team, obviously we had, their, we had my coaching situation where I made them do extra stuff, but I made them apologize to the team and let the team decide if they wanted to come back um, on the team. But like to me, that, that, that is the cancer that it, could just, it can overflow to the whole team. The players then can think like, okay, I could go to this and do that instead of showing up to a practice or to a game or whatever it may be. So to me, like, it, it just being that cancer on a team is just not worth it. And I think that's what happens when you have an uncoachable player because you have a coach who's preaching something, and then you have a player that's not following it. it tends to be a player that's probably better than a lot of other players. So now you got a bigger issue. Oh, absolutely. Ahead, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I mean, none of my girls are ever leaving practice or a game to go to a birthday, birthday party. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, that at, I mean, that would never happen. Yeah. You know, but I get it. It's middle school, um, but they they know better. Yeah. They know better. I've had parent. I've had kids leave 
practices and games for vacations. Yeah. You know. What are your thoughts on that? Let's she's la- <laughs> she's la- I mean, listen, sometimes it is beyond their control. I yeah. Mean, parents kind of plan things, and, and I get it. Um, Does the vacation matter, by the way, where they're going? Then I'm, I, I, I don't care where you're going. In our defense, it was Thanksgiving break, and yeah. it was just, we missed one practice and a <laughs> scrimmage, but it did affect us yeah. somewhat. They don't understand that. When you, when you go away for, like, five days in a week, and then when you when you're going on vacation, you're eating good, you're relaxed, yeah. you're kind yeah. of away from that that mode that you were in before, and you come back now you've lost everything that you've done or you built up to that point. So you, you're coming back out of shape, you're slower, um, you're out of rhythm, and it takes a while to get back into rhythm. So that's in that regard, that's where it hurts the team. Um, I but, think it hurt too because it was three of your starters that went on the same vacation at the same time. Yeah, I, I didn't start them that night. We got back. Yeah. Um, got understandable. You know, but uh, even in the past, we've had players kind of go, we've, we've had games during winter break. And, you know, I, I kind of get that one. Families want to go Florida during winter break. They got family. Um, so I, I kind of, thankfully, I stopped scheduling games over winter break because I knew I, w- I would lose some girls. But, you know, it's beyond their control there in that regard. I don't love it. But they also got to understand that there's going to be some consequences to it. It's not fair to the girls who are at practice. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Yusuf, what are your thoughts on when a player is becomes a cancer to the team? Um, how does that affect the team? Uh, I've been on teams where I had those players, you know, and clearly, obviously, it's not good. Um, you know, they could affect more. Like, you know how, like, they're, like you said, they're a cancer to the team. They could affect other players and become even worse. And, you know, coaches don't like that, obviously. And those are the players who keep begging for, like, they want to keep playing and begging for playing time. And it's not going to it's not gonna work, especially, like you said, in the varsity level. It's not going to work. Um, you know, obviously, plain and simple, it's, it's bad. Yeah. Zach, what are your thoughts? I feel like it's very selfish, especially, like, say the team is a, it's like a family, you know. Say the team is like a family, one family member, you know. Have a, like have a bad day or have it's not cooperating with the family. The whole family gonna mess up that day, you know. Yeah, no, for sure. Great points, great points. And we're now we're gonna uh, go ahead and run our second ad of today, which is the Balkan House Restaurant. And then once we uh, get done with this ad, we're gonna keep the conversation going. Um, good conversation right now. And I hope for those that are watching or eventually watching at home, you know, we just want you to learn from this and to uh, take some notes because. This is something that is not just what we're saying. This is what pretty much all the teams are expecting and hoping for from their players. So, uh, Ramsey, we're going to go ahead and do the Balkan House ad for today, and then we're going to go ahead and keep the conversation going. The Balkan House Restaurant. The Balkan House Restaurant is famous for their donut kebab sandwich. But did you know that the Balkan House now serves breakfast? Did you also know that all their food is 100% halal? The Balkan House now also have two food trucks so you can book your next party or event with the Balkan House on wheels. The Hamtramck location is 3028 Kniff Street, Hamtramck, Michigan. Their Ferndale location is 314 West Namal Road, Ferndale, Michigan. Again, you can book their food trucks for your next party or event. So if you're looking for a nice place to eat with friendly service and great prices, look no further than the Balkan House restaurants. All right, so this next question is going to be a fun one because obviously you coach Selena. Yeah. All right. I've coached all three of these guys right here uh, in different aspects, baseball, football, basketball. So uh, (laughs) I'm going to let you guys answer this first, and then I'm going to let the coaches answer it uh, for you guys too. Is Basically, do you believe that you are or were a coachable player? Look at Zach. He's not in his head. Like He he already got the answer. All right, Zach. Ramsey, can you also chime in on this one, too? Unmute your mic, man. I'm going to have to ask you, uh, do you believe... Uh, let's start off with you, Ramsey. So Ramsey's in the back, by the way. He's not in the camera. So Ramsey, do you believe you are a coachable player? And why or why not, Ramsey? You know, I feel like I'm a coachable player because I show up on time, you know? And sometimes in practice, I, like, I stay after. You know, put up some shots after basketball practice, you know? Good answer. Shout out to Ramsey. All right, Zach, do you believe you... <laughs> You are a coachable player, and why or why not? Yes, you know, I feel like because 
you know, it's not hard to be a coachable player, you know, because I, I listen, you know, do what the coach, you know, is asking. Especially being one of the one of the best players on the court at all times, you know, I feel like it's easy. <laughs> all right, Yusuf, do you feel like you are a coachable player? Why or why not? One hundred percent. You know, I don't want to brag or nothing, but you know, multiple coaches have told me that <laughs> I'm their favorite player to coach, and you know, it's it's mainly it's because you know, leader by example, you know, not by you know. You know, I really, I really don't talk much on the court or field or whatever sport it is, but I show them how it's done, and then they follow, and I teach them if they're doing something wrong. And coaches love that. You're, you're like an other coach, but, you know, as a player as well, you know, it's great to have that. Selena, do you feel like you're a coachable player? I think, uh, I think I struggled more with that last year than I did this year. I think this year it's a lot easier to just listen and do what you're told. Um, but I think overall I've been pretty coachable, and I think that's helped me improve in the last three years. I think I'm, I've grown as a player coming in from my freshman year to now, and I think I'll continue to grow if we continue to work the way we do. At least she was, you know, honest and said that there were times, you know, where she could. I'm sitting right next to her. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, coach, first of all, you as a player, were you were you a coachable player? And then and then, what are your thoughts? Oh on? no doubt. I, I mean, first off, if you grew up in Dearborn, in East Dearborn, in the '90s. I mean, you knew who Jeff Stergalis was. I don't, but yeah, you probably. Don't. I mean, he was he was the head coach at Fordson. Okay. Um, and the cult, the program, the culture was already established, so there was no. He wasn't going to tolerate any of that individual stuff. Just there was no room for it. The team success mattered before everything, right. and uh, you know, being a quarterback, I really I had no choice. I be, I better be a yeah. you know, coachable player because if you don't know what you're doing at a quarterback. I mean, good luck with that. I mean, yeah. you're, you're going to have a rough, rough time, especially in the conference that we used to play in. Um, but no, no doubt, I, I definitely thought I was um, a coachable player because I respected my coaches, and I knew my coaches knew what they were talking about with Jeff Stragalis, uh, Hutchford Walker Zaban. I mean, those guys are legends, uh, you know, in, in our community. So um, I, I knew it was in my best interest to make sure I'm taking in all the knowledge and soaking in all the knowledge from those two. For sure, for sure, and and same goes like with myself. Like to me, the way I looked at it is, um, I was not going to be the biggest player. You know, I wasn't going to be the fastest player. So what I had to do was I had to listen to my coaches, follow their lead, so that I could be the smartest player and uh, the hardest working player, one of the hardest working players at least. You know, and that was always my goal because I was never going to beat you again with my my uh, strength or my speed, but I was going to try to beat you with my mind and would try to beat you knowing what I'm going to do before you even know what you're yep. going to do. You know what I mean? So, thing. yeah, and that the only way you can do that is if you listen and you are a student of the game. And we pride ourselves with that. You know, we're all family. These guys, like I said, they're my brothers. That's my nephew. And, and that's something that we try to carry with ourselves no matter what is at least we're going to show up every day and we're going to listen and we're going to work hard. So I guess to answer the questions, like, yeah, these guys, these three are all coachable players. Obviously, we all have our moments when you're coaching your siblings. Uh, you can have your moments, rather if it's closed doors or at home. Um, but more times or not, these guys are the people that I try to use for an example because I knew that they knew what I was expected from them. Uh, so I just wanted to ask that question to see what their thoughts were, and I knew they were going to laugh a little bit because we have our moments. Like every family does, you know, uh, you have your moments. But at the end of the day, uh, you try to get these guys to be coachable because that's the first step. Like you don't want a coach to say, you know, these guys, like, he don't even listen, to the, you know, he don't follow directions because that's kind of embarrassing. No, and being prepared just gives you a chance. Yeah. Like, and, and that's being coachable. So when you go to a game and you're you're prepared and you know what they're doing, I mean, that's that in itself is going to give you an opportunity to win the game. For sure. Like, there's a, there's a lot of times we, we've played teams that are, are definitely more talented than us. But I feel like we're more prepared. And I was telling them, just give us a chance in the fourth quarter. Whatever game it is, whether it's football, basketball, just give us a chance in the fourth quarter. If you have an opportunity in the fourth quarter, and you don't make the, the plays. Hey, I, I could live with that. Yeah, you know. But you just want to be prepared uh, and make sure players have bought into the game plan, bought into you know your culture and all that, and just just have an opportunity to win games. Great point. Great point, man. I really do like that a lot. And um, now advice. You know, we want to move into the advice part. You know, what advice would you give somebody who is maybe struggling to be a coachable player? Uh, we can maybe start off with you, Selena, if that's okay. You know, if you have a teammate that's probably struggling to listen to the coaches and what they have to say, you know, what would you tell that player? 
Well, to start, I think those types of teammates eventually become detrimental because, like, looking at it, I can go in and I can give 110%, but then this teammate is going in and they're giving 50%, but then they're still getting the more play time than the girls that might be sitting on the bench and they might be supportive and cheering on and they work hard in the practice on our scout team, but then they don't, they get the short end on the stick. But I think with a teammate like that, I think eventually you kind of just have to have a conversation with them. And I think taking criticism well from your teammates is probably the most important part. Cause I mean, you're always going to listen to your coach, whatever your coach says, you're always going to nod, you're going to say, okay. But I think when you're able to listen to your teammates and your teammates are, spo are allowed to call you out and they can tell you, oh, like you did this, you probably shouldn't do that, make that extra pass. I think going into that, it will benefit the team overall. But I think just kind of having a civil conversation with your teammates before you take it into the coach's hands. And I think if that doesn't work, then you kind of take it into, you go talk to your coach, have a conversation with your coach about it and have a restorative and see how it works from there. And hopefully that helps. Ramsey, can you give that a round of applause, by the way? I have to give that a round of applause. Uh, to give that a shout out because Nothing probably makes a coach happier when they have players doing the, the that part for them, right? You agree with that, man? And that's the culture. That's just yeah. the culture that's established within that program or within that sports team. Um, it could be even a work organization, a corporation. That's yeah. just that's just the culture that's uh, within. And when you have people preaching that within your organization, or you know, it makes everything a lot easier for sure. I mean, and kudos to you. You know, the coach, I appreciate that. The coach of the culture. Uh, over there at Fortson, so definitely deserve your credit as well. So what advice would you have uh, for players that are having a hard time being coachable? So my thing is if you're uncoachable, it probably hasn't worked out well for you. So th there needs to be a type of change in your behavior. Something needs to change on your end at that point. Um, and a lot, the, the problem with that change in behavior is, especially young people, they realize there's going to be a lot of struggle with that. You know, it, it's a process. Everything is a process. And with that, you know, I, I just hate to say it, but we, we don't like to embrace struggle. And, and there's going to be a lot of struggle with that. And, but to me, the struggle is where you kind of find who you are. You know, kind of having to go over, overcome these hurdles and adversity in your life. Um, it just it makes everything more rewarding for you later, later on the line. So my thing is just if you, something needs to change on your end. And... It might not be easy. There's going to be, it's, like I said, it's going to be a process. There's going to be struggle. There's going to be hurdles in your way. But eventually when you overcome all that, I mean, you, you'll find you'll find to see that there's a reward at the end that's very rewarding for you. And, again, not, not only will it help you um, on the sports team that you're on, but it's going to help you in the real life because eventually you're going to go get a job, right? You're going to be part of another you know, organization, another team where – you know, it's going to cost you money now, right? Yeah. If you if you're not uh, if you're not bought into what what they're doing, you know, if you're working for a Fortune 500 company, you're replaceable really quick. Yeah. Okay. So you better be coachable in a, in a place like that. And it's to me, being coachable is just being able to take so uh, constructive criticism. Because at the end of the day, when I'm when I'm coaching a uh, kid, or I, I don't dislike you, I'm just trying to get you better. It's because it's, everything's constructive. Um, and I think sometimes we f we find that, especially young people, we find it, we find it hard to dif differentiate between uh, constructive criticism and hey, this guy's just on me all the time. You know, he, he hates me. No, I promise you, your coaches don't hate you. You wouldn't have made the team if your coaches. Yeah, they, I, I don't think people can like wrap around the, uh, wrap their minds around the fact that like, I mean, obviously, some situations coaches get paid, some situations they're just participating, but like. It's not easy to be the coach. Like the people got to understand that there's time, effort, and again, the players put in that time and effort too. Like you know, I'm not trying to knock on just the players. Like I have this argument with this guy. He believes that coaches are pointless and that players do all the work. Like he has a percentage of like 80% players, 20% coaches. That's what he feels like. Uh, Maybe in certain sports, 70, but I think it's 50/50. Uh, that's what I told him. What sports are you talking about? You're talking about like every sport. In the professional level, it's more 80-20. No, it's like definitely 70, not football. It's seventy thirty. Like every sport is seventy. Definitely not football. I'll tell you that right now. He says, "What do the coaches do? Like the players are making the play." I'm sitting yeah. there. I'm like, "See, I'm I, arguing with a team." I'll give you an example right now. 
Jacksonville Jaguars oh, last year. I literally told him that. I said Jacksonville Jaguars had Urban Meyer as their coach. They were the worst team in the NFL. They have Doug Peterson. They made the playoffs and won. I mean, added, they made, they made the a added, few. Yeah, they added players this no, year. No, not really. They made a few free agent acquisitions, <laughs> but it wasn't like. They had like four players this year. That doesn't. Travis Etienne's first year back. Oh, yeah, that's the reason. You know what I'm saying? We could, we could sit here. This is what we do. You know what I mean? But with that said, uh, what advice would you give a player who's having a hard time being coachable? Like me as like a, yeah, as a, another player. The teammate? Yeah, teammate. as a teammate. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't say nothing to him, really. Just, you know, give him time, you know, make him think by himself, you know. Tell him what, what he's doing wrong or something, you know. But really, like, let him do, you know. Yeah. Be on his own. Yusuf, what, are your, what, what would you do? Yeah, similar to what everybody said about, you know, having uh, your teammates actually come up and talk to you. That's why I feel like what leaders and captains are for. You know, um, they go up to you and you know, have somebody your age say something to you so they can probably understand you a little bit better. Um, and that's for sure a big reason. And then they can even, you know, call, you know, feel comfortable, call from home, see what's going on. That's the main part. Great points. All right. Uh, I'm loving all these answers. And I, I think it's been a great conversation, especially for student athletes, young student athletes who are uh, on teams or looking to join a team or anything like that. Uh, great advice from everybody right now so far. And now we move into the questions game. All right. So this is the fun part. This is the part where, you know, these guys start yelling at me and it's all right. I mean, I think they're going to be all right today. They, they, there's guests in the building, so we're, we're going to see how this works out. All right. So this is where we ask a question. All right. This is how it works. Okay. So first of all, whoever hits the buzzer first gets to answer it first. If you hit the buzzer, you do have to answer a question or else you get a minus point. All right. Uh, because you hit the buzzer. Um, and obviously you get it wrong, minus one. If you get it right, plus one. If you don't say anything, it's just, you know, you stay where you're at. The teams will be Zach and Coach Abazid, and then we got Yusuf and Selena on each other's teams as well. So this is how it goes. You guys can show them the buzzers right quick. You know, the buzzers right there. Uh, if they hit the buzzer, they get to answer the questions. And I always say this. Uh, I come up with these questions before the show. I don't hear these answers. So the questions are based off of the stuff that kind of I said on the topics that we discussed. So just wanted to throw that out there that, you know, this is why I have these questions or these answers. There's no really wrong answer, but the right answer, you know, is here off of what I said. You know, you're probably right, but it's not what I mentioned, okay? So, number one. I think Zach should move the buzzer Thank to the you. middle. And also, you got to... Um Make sure you finish the question first. Oh, yeah. By the way, I forgot to say that. You got to let me finish the question, all right? If you don't let me finish the question. I think you should push it over that way. Yeah, scoot it over a little bit. You stay right here. He has long arms. His hands be, you know, sometimes on it. No, come on, man. Keep your hands. Can we get to throw this question, please? We don't want to have to argue today, all right? Here we go. All right? What makes a player coachable according to what I said and the word starts with the letter L? Right. Who did that? Was it, who? I think it was me. Yeah, I'm going to give it to her. Yeah, good. You have to be able to listen. Thank there you, you go. That's one point. Bro, Here we go. Here we go. Selena, is that what you were going to say? All right. Selena Yusuf in the lead. Selena Yusuf, but her, and her hand is hurt, by the way. That's why we hear the buzzer. Good, good. Yeah. All right, so I did feel like she's hit that first. So 1 0. Coach was over there just chilling right now. Because <laughs> you know she can't beat me. One of the youngins win right now. All right. Number two. If a player is not coachable, they can become what to a team? The letter starts with a C. Oh, he oh, no, I didn't. No, watch it. Watch it. Watch it. No, I didn't. You can't hear it. It's a little bit of a delay on the television no, he screen. he hit it as soon as like, you didn't finish the question. That's I'm looking at my hand. My hand is moving. Thank you, bro. Uh, come on, good. man. It's good time. It's good time. Cancer. Cancer. I I cancer. Come on, man. It's true. Here we go. The score is 1-1. I'm so serious, A cancer. His answer was a cancer. I did it perfectly, bro. you did it, It was good. It's good enough. Besides, I like it when it's 1-1 because it comes down to this final question right here. All right? Number three, whoever gets it right wins the game. All right? Fortson's mascot is what? That was me. Who was it? He keeps hitting it. There you go. Come on, bro. He keeps saying it before, bro. I promise. That's me, oh, bro. Oh, like Selena got it, man. Oh, like Selena got it. What is that? What is the answer? You better get this right. <laughs> the tractors. The tractors. All right, tractors. We want to give them a round of applause. All right. I never got that one. Right yeah, how did it become the tractors? By the way, what's the what's the history behind that one? So it's Henry Ford's. Uh, 
Oh, oh. Henry that, Ford's uh, son is yeah. what the school is named after. And uh, the tractor was like his first. 1922, I believe, was the year uh, the building was made. Yeah, it was. 1922 was the year it was built. And the most powerful machine at that time was the, the tractor. Mm. So. Nice. That's, that's a great history lesson right there. I sh- see, I should have probably got that and then use that as a question there later on in the show. All right. Well, listen, first of all, we're reaching an end point. Yusuf gets the victory, by the way, without even having to uh, answer a question. So shout out to Selena putting the team on her Thank back. Thank you very much. All right. Um, with that said, again, this was uh, season two, episode 21 of the Movement Podcast. We want to, first of all, say congratulations again to Selena for winning our Yemeni American News, Oz Media's February Rising Star Student Athlete of the Month. Selena, can you show them this great hoodie that you also were able to get by winning this award? You know, this, this hoodie might be millions one day, all right? <laughs> Selena, I just want to let you know. So uh, shout out to Selena. She gets a hoodie. Uh, we do this show with the player as well. Before, we should just do a one-on-one interview, but I was like, hey, I can knock out two birds with one stone. You know what I mean? Bring the guest on the show and have our show too instead of, you know, working myself. You know, work smarter, not harder. Yeah, you know? Absolutely. So with that said... Uh, congratulations to Selena. Uh, but, Coach, this is the where we do the weekend motivation part. I don't know if you got this part. You know, did you prepare this one or is this natural? Because coaches come up with lines naturally. You He's know what I'm saying? Natural. Yeah. So, <laughs> He's got it all up there. All right. So, with that said, Coach, this part right here, I like to record um, and, and, and uh, post it later on my phone because, you know, obviously it's decent quality on there, but even better quality when I record it right here on my phone and post it later. So, Basically, what is your weekend motivation? What would you want to tell people out there? It could be about anything. You know, this is your chance to give a quick speech for anybody out there. You know, since I work with young people, we'll keep it directed towards them. Um, Most importantly, get your priorities in order. Uh, Find out what your priorities are. To me, you know, if you're a high school student, especially someone who's playing sports, your priorities should probably uh, give or take whatever order works for you. But to me, it was always uh, my religion, my family, uh, my sports, my school. It was always those those four. Um, you know, my mom always hits in, in that order. It was it was always in that order. Probably school before sports. Um, but just and then also understand there's a process to anything that you want to do, and there's going to be struggle. And embrace that struggle. Embrace that those hurdles that are always there. I think that's where you really find yourself. Um, and then even for parents, I, I know sometimes you want to. You want to make the easiest path for your children, but understand that kind of removing those hurdles is detrimental to them later in, later in life because that's not how the real world works. Um, in regards to just ev- anything that we do, uh, just kind of keep going, keep moving forward with everything you do. There's going to be struggle. There's going to be hurdles there, um, and you might fail a few times at whatever you do, but you got to kind of keep pushing through, keep pushing through, and there's always a reward at the end. I love it. Ramsey, want to do that one more time for us, please? Great, great, great quote right there. That's funny. I, coach, man, I'm telling you, uh, I knew that we was going to have a good conversation because I feel like your values share the same as mine. Um, I, I literally, if they will tell you, same order of mine as well as I try to tell my players, same thing. You know, I did have school before sports. I mean, obviously, you'd probably agree with that too. Uh, but same, you know, similar values as well. So uh, I hope you enjoy that. Selena, any final comments you want to say? Any final words you want to say as well? Um, just thanks for having us on and thanks for recognizing our program. For sure. For sure. Boys, you guys got any last comments you want to say? I really oh, it's a great show. Great show. All right. Well, again, we hope that you enjoyed it. You can follow us on all of our socials. Like, subscribe, YouTube, Oz Media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok under Oz Media. You can listen to the show later on Apple and Spotify podcast under Oz Media. We hope that you enjoyed it. Again, this was Season 2, Episode 21 of The Movement. The Movement. And uh, we hope that you enjoyed it. We'll see you all next week, Saturday. Uh, Be safe and um, have fun and good luck. And watch the Super Bowl tomorrow. It should be a good one. It should be a good one.